it is what is going down on my brothers from other mothers today is wednesday june 7th 2023 and on this episode of the grizz i have a conversation with sam black that's right sam black he's the director of recovery education for covenant eyes and this dude is passionate about helping people live free from pornography addiction his new book just released It's entitled The Healing Church, What Churches Get Wrong About Pornography and How to Fix It. You know, too many churches ignore and remain silent about the big, fat, black elephant in the church. I'm talking about the problem of pornography. Or, if they do talk about it, they only shame and chastise people who are caught in an addiction to it. But what if the church was a safe place for people who struggle with pornography addiction to find grace, hope, healing, guidance, connection, accountability, and encouragement. What if the church was more of a hospital for struggling sinners than a trophy case for righteous saints? Wouldn't that be amazing? In his book, Sam shares that some churches are becoming that sort of church. A healing church for struggling sinners. Man, it's beautiful. Sam's book is not only for Christian men who are struggling, but also for Christian women and Christian pastors who struggle with pornography. It's also for Christian parents who want to know how to talk to their children and teens about this problem and protect them. Above all, This book is for pastors and ministry leaders who want to know biblical and practical ways to better help those under their care who are struggling with porn or some other sexual sin. I definitely give this book five stars. Sam did an excellent job putting it together. It's biblical, practical, and easy to understand. Anyway, I wanted you guys, the Grizz Tribe, to meet Sam Black and hear some of his own backstory and transformation. Then we get into some of the meat of what he covers in this new book, The Healing Church. This is going to be encouraging and motivating to all of you who are fighting the good fight of faith and integrity, just like I'm trying to do. Stay tuned at the end of our interview for a couple closing items of Grizz Biz. Now it's time to burn down the house, my brothers. Here we go. Sam Black, welcome to the Grizz Podcast, my brother. 
<laughs> Jason, thank you for having me here. We're going to have a good, good discussion today. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too, man. I'm going to dig right into it with uh, just some serious questions, some good questions that I think the guys are really going to be interested in. Um, but I want to say first and foremost, this book, dude, that you have just come out with the healing church, I got it right here in my hand. This book is outstanding. You have done such a good job. It is going to help me personally already has I've been through it. I finished reading it last night and a little bit this morning had some more to do before the interview. But I know it's also going to help me as I work with guys in recovery group and the things I talk about here on the podcast. Thank you for bringing this to all of us, man. I wrote The Healing Church, what churches get wrong about pornography and how to fix it because I could, I'd been uh, on the road quite a bit, speaking at different events, talking to uh, men, speaking to parents. And there was this disconnect between where I'd be speaking to ministry leaders and those who were trapped in this pernicious trap of pornography. And and so I, I wrote it as an empathetic, and I hope that comes through. There's a lot of empathy in this that yeah. I want to help the church begin better to deal with this issue of pornography that is so shameful, so secretive, so hidden, so pushed back, so ignored. And what we need to do is press in. God is not ashamed of our sin. He's He was there when it was happening. Mm. He is saying, come close to the throne now. Come to me. Come to my the body of Christ. This is the church is my body. Come together on this. Let's deal with this head on and let's kill the secrecy. Let's kill the shame and let's start living in my grace. I believe that wholeheartedly. That's good, man. That's a good message that I know these guys need to hear that listen to the Grizz podcast. Uh, give the guys just a little bit of your backstory. You grew up in a quote-unquote Christian home, but there was definitely, from reading the book, some serious dysfunction, some damage that was done. It could have easily turned you away from Christ, the church, Bible, everything, but God got a hold of you. So share some of that, man. Yes. Well, the truth is I did step away from the church. Let's So let's go back to the beginning of it, I guess. I was 10 years old when I was first exposed to pornography. I remember walking out of our family home in, in Florida, and uh, my brother, who's 10 years older than me, was uh, looking at a magazine sideways, and that just didn't make any sense. How can you look at and read sideways? And I said, hey, what are you guys looking at? And and uh, they turned it around, and mm. and I didn't step away. I stepped closer because... Like every other child, I was naturally curious about what the opposite sex looked like without clothes. Mm. And uh, certainly I had that spritz of dopamine and that focused my attention on what was happening. That's novel. That's new. I want to see more of that. Naturally, something that felt good. Uh, Norepinephrine is popping in because it helps. There's some fear there. Hey, I'm not, am I supposed to see this? And mm-hmm. Those two also work together to burn those emotional experiences into your brain. That's mm-hmm. why about every guy listening here can tell you a story about their first exposure to pornography, even though they can't tell you anything else. So true. About, right. And so that's how I can recall that 
that memory. I also had a friend, his dad had pornography that was falling out of his closet and it looked like a waterfall because on the top shelf was stacks of pornography that were just kind of leaning over and falling over and someone had fallen into the floor and there was a literally a pile of it on the floor mm. and I could take anything I wanted and I did. And the third part of this common thread for men who struggle with pornography it is early exposure, the ongoing use and repetition, especially through adolescence, and often some drama or trauma that's happened early in life. Mm. And as you said, I grew up in a home that was, though Christian, it was also hypocritically violent. Mm. I would unknowingly begin not only to run pornography because it felt good, but because I could escape from fear and frustration and boredom and anxiety and anger and frustration and those kinds of things. And it would expand to whatever happened at school and many other things. Mm. And so pornography would follow me from middle school to high school, from college and into my marriage. And I'm among the most fortunate men you'll meet uh, because I was uh, by this time, pretty much agnostic. I believe there must be a God out there. How could this universe possibly exist? How could all this beauty not have been created? But does he really care anything about me? And isn't this, his ways just impossible? Can I ever even live up to that? <laughs> right? All the lies that pornography will teach you. Yeah. And uh, but my wife was attending a small church, and she asked me if I would attend with her to a marriage class. And the people in this marriage class were a little different. They had they were twelve steppers who had gone through their own recovery, their own woundedness, their own uh, renewal. And they would close the door, and they would turn around and look at the class and say, "This is a safe place." Mm. What is said here stays here. Mm. And in that environment, people told stories about the awful things he said to their spouse about uh, whatever it was or the, the the feelings they were arboring or the terrible things that they had done. And I thought, wow, these Christians are different. They're, they're really honest and genuine and authentic. <laughs> and within that atmosphere, that is where I learned that pornography could be addictive and compulsive. And that was a great relief because that meant from a secular view, evolution didn't make me this way. From a faith view, God didn't make me this way and I didn't have to stay this way. And mm. so, Jason, with men like you, I got to take a journey over time to live in freedom. And so often what we really want is just the quick fix. Yeah, God can do that. God can do anything. Um, he heals people of their addictions of cigarettes and alcohol and drugs and pornography and you name it. But often, I have found that most often he calls us to submit in childlike faith to lean on the body of Christ mm. through a process of where we are discipled and where we can learn and grow and live in his wholeness because the big thing that we're so concerned about for me the pornography that i was so concerned about simply was a gateway for god to do a deeper work in my life that lit up the 
the corners of my life that opened up the closets of my life where I could live in greater wholeness. And so we often want to enter into uh, life change and recovery because we have a presenting problem, mm. but it's an, also an opportunity, not only to deal with that issue, but to live more wholly in Christ. That's good, man. I would definitely agree with you. I've seen some guys that they came to Christ in faith and they're like, I never struggled with it again. I've never had a relapse. And I'm like, praise God. That's amazing. I do believe that that can happen. But I say for the most part, those are outliers. Um, most guys like myself came to Christ. There was, I'm a new creation. I had new desires. I had new longings. I had a new relationship with sin. There was a long stretch of freedom, of purity, of sobriety. And I was like, dude, I'm done with it. Mm -hmm. And I made the mistake when internet porn began getting popular to say, wonder what that's about. Mm -hmm. Just a curious search as a youth pastor. And I opened Pandora's box and it was the crack cocaine of pornography. It was unlike anything. Like I, when you said a closet full of magazines falling over like a waterfall, that was my next door neighbor's house. And that's where I was stealing it from. Same thing. Mm -hmm. But then came the, um, the addiction came back. And then I had to, like yourself, find healing. I couldn't find it by myself. I had mm -hmm. to find it in a safe group. I even tried to find it with a partner, an accountability partner, just one person. I could not find it there. And what I'm come to realize is that I don't believe for those guys that are Christians that are struggling with it or fall back into it. I don't believe that they can really have true recovery without some sort of safe accountability guiding support group. I believe mm -hmm. that is very scriptural. That's what we see is supposed to be happening in the New Testament. Your book repeatedly says how crucial this is for churches mm -hmm. to begin developing and maintaining some sort of safe accountability support group for men and even women who are struggling with this. Right. What are your thoughts, man? So accountability gets a pretty bad rap in general for some good reasons. One, uh, the word accountability in our culture is often I'm going to hold you accountable or they're going to be held accountable. And it's always very punitive, right? It's, it's not something that says, hey, how are things going? It is, oh, you've been found out. Now you're going to get it. Uh, <laughs> right? yeah. And so that's not, that's not very helpful. I like, I prefer the term ally. Mm. Ally has your back. They know your goals. They want the best for you. They want to help you succeed to that re to achieve those goals. They want to see you grow and live in freedom. They they got your back. In fact, I got an email from one of my allies th this morning. He says, "Just just nothing more than just to say, hey man, just want to let you know I got your back." Mm. You know, right? Just a, a, a reassurance, a, a letting know, a reminder that hey, you're not you're not walking through this life alone. I'm here with you. Amen. And um, so often, we've often in the past looked at the list of questions that were given by different ministries and um, have you done this? Have you done that? And it was just an answering of what have you, what have you done well? What have you done wrong? Mm. 
and and then it just becomes they always get the last zinger the last question was did you lie to me about any of the other questions and i found that if i'm going to lie about uh any of the others i'm going to definitely lie about the last one too yeah that's good yeah makes sense in that when we are really open with an ally when we have someone we can trust when we can really live and be fully known and fully loved mm. That's what God wants for us. When he says, when he gives us a foundational uh, focus in the church, a foundational belief in the church, as James 5.16, to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. There's a, there's a lot going on there, right? It is my part where I get to confess. It is your part where you can listen, mm. ask me questions, and you pray with me about that. And God does that healing work. And he's using the body of Christ to do that. But so often in the church, when it comes to things that are shameful, like pornography use, unwanted sexual behaviors, we skip the whole bit. And we need to really ask ourselves, what part of James 5.16 do we not believe? Mm. I get what you're saying. So a lot of times the church is really good at, we'll believe the part um might even leave the part about confess your sins to one another, but then you've really got to listen. And it also says to pray for one another. Mm -hmm. um, there's the, you can't, you can't pray for me very well. If you're not really listening, if you're not really diving deep, if you're not really asking me questions, if otherwise your prayers are pretty surface, right? That's right. And that means that you've got to ask me some questions and I've got to be a lot more open about more that was happening in my life than just simply saying, Oh, I messed up. Yes. There's times when I've been in group over the last 10 years that after I've shared how my week went, whether it was good, bad, frustrating, stressful, mm -hmm. a guy has prayed over me. One of the members of the group says it's, it's our turn to pray for Jason. And he has prayed specifically over me and what I've mentioned. And I've been in tears as many yeah. times as it's happened. It's just so powerful to have someone pray for you and over you and to hear the other guys in there. Just, right, that's the verse right after the prayers of a righteous man. Yes. They're, they're empowering. They're, that, that is, absolutely. And when we're in a, uh, a signal group, an app that we use, the, the guys that are in each group, and they communicate throughout the week, and they'll say, how is that thing going that we're praying for this week? Did you have that tough conversation, whatever? Mm -hmm. I feel so supported. The other guys feel supported. That's when progress began to happen, not mm -hmm. overnight, but through time. I was like, here we go. This is working. I can get out my junk in a safe place. They're getting out their junk. They're just as messed up as me, but they love me. They accept me. Um, they can finish my sentences on things that I'm like, well, I'm kind of feeling or struggling and I don't want to mention. And they can just say, yeah, it's this, isn't it? Yeah, it is that. So, mm -hmm. It's and even things that I wasn't even couldn't even really be conscious of, uh, they could, you know, as we process those things together, as we talk through those things together, then things began to be revealed and be opened. But if we're just hitting there to say, I did this or did not do that, and not diving deeper, we're going to miss the yeah. opportunity. That's uh, good. If I come to you and say, uh, Jason, I looked at porn today. And oh well, I pray. I'll pray for you, Sam. I'm sorry that it happened. Now, see, I want more. 
<laughs> right? You're See, I've say- already learned. I'm like, Sam, tell me about your week. What's going on? What was the trigger? Was it internal? Was it external? How you been feeling? What's happening? Is your marriage okay? It, so many things. I want to know more. I desire to genuinely know more. Are you okay, Sam? Yeah, yeah. And you're going to ask me, hey, what well, what happened before then? What, what was going on? Right? You're right. asking those kinds of questions. Yes, sir. Wow. And so whether I had something that happened at work or I had an argument and it made me feel this way or that, what? okay, well, what were you feeling? Can you name those feelings? <laughs> Guys seem to talk about their feelings so much, right? But when you get into real life change and real recovery, you're going to talk about your feelings because what you're feeling leads to what you're thinking and what you're thinking leads to what you're doing or thinking of doing right and and so we need to get in touch with naming what do i feel right now what have i been feeling this week what have i how did the when those things happened this week how did i what did i feel about them because then i begin having a reaction to those and i began to did i call out for help Was I able to sit with that emotion and identify it? Go, oh, this is what I'm feeling. Yeah. You know, so many times when I would think about running to pornography, I could look back and go, I could uh, I could dissect the temptation. Like, I'm feeling really tempted now. Why am I feeling tempted to view pornography? Hmm. And when I would go, and I'd stop and pause or even call up one of my buddies and say, hey, I'm feeling tempted. And they'd be like, well, what's going on? Let's talk about this. Think about it. And, but you, after you did that so many times, you could do it on your own on the fly. Like I'm feeling tempted. Why am I, oh yeah. You know, I had that conversation with someone or I got, and I felt lack of self-worth or I felt anger or I felt disappointed or I felt this. And I am just, or I had that, a memory that came to my mind and that triggered, I call these triggers, C triggers, social, emotional, and environmental triggers. And I when remember I di- that part of the book. That was good, man. When I dissect those, I can go, oh, 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 this is why I'm struggling. And just identifying it and saying, this is why I feel this temptation. The temptation begins to go away almost immediately. Even when you're saying that, that is showing an element of accountability that so many Christians, churches, pastors, they're not even thinking of. Accountability is like, it's reactive. You did something, now you're going to come to me and tell me what you did. You just said, I was feeling like looking at porn, and I reached out to my accountability group, partner, or I should say, my ally, because that's a way better term. I'm with you on that. I call our group a climb team members. I'm like, reach out to your team members, your Guys are climbing yeah. with you. And so I've had guys say, hey, I'm going on a trip this weekend alone for business. I'm going to be in a hotel room Friday and Saturday night. I've done that. This is not reactive accountability. It's proactive. I need you just to be checking on me. I'm telling you, I kind of already feel it. Road trip, hotel, alone, different place. A lot of guys are not doing and think of how many triggers are going off on there, right? There's the C trigger, the social, emotional, environmental triggers. Yes. There's social because you're away from everyone else that you're normally around. That's right. You are lonely, maybe. You're kind of the boundaries that you'd normally have in place, maybe they're they're not there. 
the environmental trigger of being alone with maybe a TV set that has a, you know, an inappropriate channel on it or, or something of that nature. Uh, and those emotional things of being lonely or being tired from a hard day of travel and work and all those things that are going on. There's so much and ready to unpack there yes. that, um, that you, being aware of it can be, help you be more in control of it. Yeah. Or it, surrender to Christ in it. Yes. Like I couldn't uh, imagine I could to facing it. It's just not an issue. Yeah. I, I know that sounds crazy, but and I but here's a there's probably some pastors, leaders, or others who are like, I don't get why are you guys talking about pornography so much? That's not a can that really be an issue? I mean, can't you just say no? Mm. And in my life now, I can feel that. I've gone, why would pornography be attractive to me? In fact, I don't think it seems a lot repulsive because I'm gonna if I act out with it, I'm gonna feel misery. I'm gonna feel that shame, that self-hatred at my expense, shame, self-hatred at my expense. I'm gonna feel like it's the nuance, the uh whatever high I'm gonna get from it is gonna be so short and the pain from it is gonna be so long. Mm. Like, is it is there any value in there at all? But I can tell you that that is a perspective and emotions and ideas and a cleanliness in my heart that came from hard work. Oh, and a lot of time. That's what I was thinking, because you bring up in your book, I can't remember if you got it from Doug Weiss or I forget which book it came from, but I had read the same thing. It's about the neural pathways. So you were so ingrained to going for our fix and medicating with porn and masturbation. And so to that guy, he's like, I absolutely understand why someone goes to it. Like, yep, I do it. But as you get away from that pathway and you form new neural pathways of better right. ways to cope and deal with things and to better, better self-care. Yes. Now it begins to seem more repulsive. That's where it's not white knuckling as much. There's the true heart change. And you're just like, I don't want it like I used to. Yesterday, I saw something on social media that I know for a fact. Mm -hmm. A while ago, I would have gone back. I would have been like, click, I want to see that. But there was something in me that was like, I don't want that anymore. And right. that was a, a victory, a heart victory that wasn't just a white knuckle. Well, yeah. I've got something monitoring my computer and I might get a screenshot from Covenant Eyes sent to my guy. I don't want them to know. It was more than that. It was, yeah. no, man, there's a, there's true hard change, but that takes time and work. Like it you're takes saying. time. And, and you know what? It, for some of the people listening right now, the guys are going, I don't, I don't think I can ever get there. No way. You can't. Okay. And, and right. And so we just want to, we both want to let you know, as you're listening here right now, that we've been in a position where it seemed like saying no or living in freedom seemed like an impossibility. Mm -hmm. Like, how is this going to possibly be that I get, I can live in freedom from this? And I want you to know, yes, there is real and lasting freedom. Mm -hmm. And don't believe anybody in the church that says, uh, you this will be something you just have to struggle with your whole life that you'll always be falling and well, at least fall forward. Yeah. Know, there's nothing wrong falling forward. I believe in that wholeheartedly, but you do not have to live in this prison cell for the rest of your life. You can live in true freedom. Yeah. 
You know, one of the worst train wreck stories of sexual addiction I have ever heard, and I heard it in person for the first time. Um, the first time I heard it was in person at a conference. It was Joe Dallas. When Joe yeah. Dallas shared his story of how down the rabbit hole he went and what he got into, but then to hear the beauty of grace, redemption, recovery, healing, and now impact, God's using him in a mighty way. Man, it really just showed me, I'm like, if God can do it, he can do it with me too. Like, yeah. that's amazing. And that's why it's so important for us to tell our story. I'm thankful in the healing church with all the data in there and all the input from various leaders around the country, there's still that section in there that says, I'm Sam black. Here's my story of redemption and healing and recovery. And here's still what I'm doing today in groups and with guys, allies that I'm helping and they're helping me. Like that's what we all need to hear. I wanted to transition and go ahead. We transition, you you know, this maintenance, this, this uh, staying in community, uh, doing that uh, becomes, Hey, you're living in sobriety from pornography. Great. But there's so much more work that God is doing on my heart in my life in my mind, body, and spirit things that he's continuing to show to me and reveal to me and, and help me heal from mm. and learning, growing in forgiveness for, you know, so many other things. And, you know, there's just so much there. Oh yeah. And the more you give it away, the more you receive. So as you press into your recovery journey, remember you're always giving back. Mm. We, we keep what we're giving away. That's awesome, man. Uh, and I really, I, man, when you say that, it makes me realize I've done a lot of work, a lot of years, a lot of reading, a lot of groups, counseling. But when I began to also get to the point where I started helping others, mm-hmm. it was so powerful in my recovery. It, it's, yeah. it's part of recovery. It, it shouldn't is. be part of recovery right away. But it is part of the recovery. And that's uh, the cool thing that pastors don't often recognize. They're like, oh man, if I'm going to deal with por- this issue of pornography, um, that's going to take a lot of time. I don't know if I have the bandwidth for that, et cetera. What we found in every church, as I interviewed more than 70 people, counselors, pastors, leaders, others for this book. And what we found in all the churches that were doing this work well was that. The pastors say, I don't do more work now, I do less, because those who've been discipled are now discipling others, mm. and I have more volunteers than I've ever had before. I have more people who are saying, I'm leaning deeper into my faith, I'm tending church more, I'm uh, practicing my spiritual disciplines. By the way, that's the victory story. On the other side is all the data that I picked up from studies from the University of Oklahoma and elsewhere that were saying there's a direct correlation between pornography use and lessened church attendance, lessened uh, spiritual disciplines, less volunteerism for the local church. I saw that. So the pastors that get all worked up, why are more people not involved? Where are the men? Why are they not engaging? Why are they not mentoring, helping others? You have to address this problem of pornography and sexual addiction. Every ministry in the local church, from children's ministries 
to teen ministry, to adult ministries, to marriage ministries. I mean, in 56% of divorce cases today, today, a major contributing factor is an ongoing compulsive use of pornography. I agree. One of the things that uh, I was thinking is how I was a youth pastor for 15 years. And you see like in the church here in America that in the 80s and the 90s and even today, there was such an emphasis for a long time on youth ministry, youth ministry, get a youth pastor. We've got to hire a youth pastor. We've got to reach these teens. And I'm all for that. I love youth ministry. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, man, we have to make sure every church as best we can has some kind of way to address this problem and to help men get healing and help and to help wives as well, women as well, because this, this thing is like the big black spotted elephant in the room that it, it's, it's there. No one like wants to deal with it and talk about it and you have to deal with it. And all of a sudden you will begin to see dads be dads, better dads, husbands be better husbands. You will begin to see men go, Hey, Pastor, I got that. I'm going to handle that. I'll take care of that. Hey, I'm going to take care of those guys, that counseling. I, they come alongside. When we have this big secret sin in our life, like that's the only thing we're really focused on in many ways. Like you don't, you can't really focus on anything else. We're, we're pushing it down. We're trying to bury it. We're trying to get control over it by just using willpower and et cetera. And we're pushing it away, trying our best and continuing to fail. So we're, so now we're not really working on anything except pushing down all these these things. And now we're not dealing with our anger and how are our speeches to our, our, our kids and our wives and uh, how we're serving in a church. And so often there's often that flipping of the coin, right? Where you perform really wet or well, you're trying to press them in more with your family and press in more with your church just to perform better. So you, maybe your sin doesn't feel quite so bad. Mm-hmm. And then that can only last for so long. And you flip that coin you, you and you flip the cycle. And on the other side is you're running to pornography, acting out and feeling such shame and regret over your that. And so it just becomes this ongoing revolving cycle. I'm going to try harder that only lasts for so long, long. I'm not really finding real healing. And so I fall back into pornography. I feel worthless. I can't believe I can live up to God's standards. I'm never going to get this right. That's right. Try to perform again. It just keeps going and going. Yep. And to get off this carousel, stop flipping the, the coin of perfectionism and shame and start living in true wholeness. Yep. And this problem is not going anywhere. This problem is growing and yeah. we have to be ready to respond. We can't just sit back anymore. I mean, with what's coming with the future, with AI and who knows what else, this is going to be a bigger problem. And I also thought about this, Sam, like with guys that are our age, um, that are dealing with this struggle or maybe a little bit younger, we're still coming from the generation that was like, well, we started with you know VHS tapes or beta tapes. We started with magazines then maybe it moved into internet porn. We have this new generation that is coming, that is going to want to come to church at some point and do something, but they have been hooked with crazy. Like they've already, they've been, you know, that generation is already here. The first iPhone came out in 2007. Mm. And before that we had the iPod and so our children have been exposed to more pornography in more ways with so few restrictions in so many places 
it's just unfathomable. It's yep. and so it has had a major impact, and the church must address this issue because it's having a big impact on the local church. Yeah, faith of those of those young people. You know, I've been thankful too. I was talking with my friend Matt Dobshutes at Porn Free Radio about this. That uh, I am thankful for some of the non Christians that are recognizing this is a problem. This is destructive. It is harmful. You'll see Reddit groups or different organizations like Fight the New Drug and some others that guys are just admitting, I don't want this in my life. It's crushed any kind of dating relationship. My friendships are crushed. I'm not as social. I'm dealing with like a depression. I'm not as motivated. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, that is so good. Here we go. But the church has to be one of the ones waving the flag saying, we have help here, real help, not just condemnation. We're willing to press into this issue. And not only do we have uh, support of, to help you live in freedom from things like pornography, we have the real hope. <laughs> we have, right? We have the, the eternal hope to offer. And uh, yes, the church is God's plan A. There's no plan B. Yep. That's what I want it to be. That's what I want to be part of. Um, And I love the real conversations. I get that on a Sunday morning with wives and kids in the room, we need to be careful how we say things, say them in the right way. But there needs to be some safe spaces for the men where it's like, we're going to get really gut level, raw and real. And for teens and for women. Yes, I agree with you. Yes, sir. Uh, Equip our parents. And our parents are so underestimating the impact of pornography on their children that they'll just figure it out. And if we just don't talk about it, then they'll just not encounter it. And that hasn't worked for the guys listening to this this episode. Mm. It's not working for your kids either. Yeah, I was thinking that how so many new parents are just, they think like, well, you just give your kid a device. That's just what you do. Every kid gets a phone. And it used to be like maybe when you were a teenager, but there are parents handing five-year-olds their first phone, five-year-olds their first iPad. And I'm like, encourage you- wait till eight, wait till eight. That means wait till at least eighth grade. If mm. you wait a little longer, that's okay. And if you, you, your child has to have a device you feel, give them a dumb phone with no internet access at all. Mm. That's good. That's good. One of the things I wanted to ask you before we wrap up is you have a great section in the book that I ended up talking with my wife about. Uh, I believe it is chapter 12. It's entitled wrong answer. Try again. And this is where you specifically talk about many of the wrong ways that pastors and various church leaders, even pastors, wives have responded to the wives who are devastated by their husband's porn problem. So maybe the guy gets caught, maybe they're in counseling and it's like, yo, he's got a major porn addiction. But then there's this way that the pastors or church leaders, even the pastor's wives have responded that is not helpful. It has even become harmful and hurt marriages, hurt the wives even more, cause them to be distant from the church. I want you to speak to that briefly and also just some better ways to go about it. Because I know that there's many pastors that are listening that may go, man, I've done that and I shouldn't have done that, but I didn't know. Well, I was interviewing some counselors from Focus on the Family, as you know, it's the start of that. And a wife who is 
garnered every amount of courage that she has, has come to him, and she is in herself shaking, finally going to talk to her pastor about this issue of pornography in the marriage, that it is pulling them apart. It's causing pain in their marriage. It's causing struggle in their marriage. And so she feels like, hey, the pastor's really listened to me. He's asked some good questions. He's asked how long this has been going on. What is What has she discovered? And that she's, uh, he prays with her. He says, I am going to talk to your husband. Well, we'll I'll, I'll visit with him. And then the next day, the pastor's wife uh, calls and says, hey, is it all right if I stop by? And she goes, yeah. But then she thinks, well, does that mean the pastor's wife now know what I talked about to my pastor mm. or my about my husband? And then when the pastor's wife shows up at her door, the pastor, assistant pastor's wife is there. So does that mean the assistant pastor knows too? Mm. And they are each carrying boxes. And in each box is lingerie and sexy outfits for her to wear. And she gets it. My pastor is blaming me for my husband's pornography use. We have misunderstood the issue that sex will somehow support or help the pornography issue. So it was sending the message, if you will wear more lingerie, be more sexier, and give your husband more sex, this wouldn't have been a problem, and this will also make the problem go away, as if that's, it's you. Yeah, that's mm. right. And so it just heaps more pain, more shame on... It's pouring salt into wounds. My wife m- wants to grab you and say thank you because she's seen it. We need to understand that he has been watching pornography since childhood, Mm. likely throughout his adolescence years. He went from college and trade school or whatever. he He was watching pornography while they were dating. He was watching pornography while they were engaged. They were watching pornography when they got married and were newlyweds. And she has been watching pornography when he, she says yes. And when she says no, it doesn't have any impact. Mm. And so pornography use isn't her fault. Mm-hmm. And so what counselors often recommend is something that's going to be scary to a, guy, a lot of guys listening because they've equated intimacy with sex. They have equated love with sex. They have equated acceptance and reassurance and care with sex because they have, we have corrupted our mind, body, and spirit with lies that says, when I am sexual, I am loved. And when I'm not sexual, I'm not loved. Even if it is self-love and I'm escaping to a fantasy where nothing is real where love is far away so i know what you're going to say what what, and i because i agree with it what are a lot of counselors saying is best to do that you were saying some guys are going to be just like you've got to be kidding and that is periods of abstinence Mm. even if you're married and and in the marriage marriage sex now what's I have. I, I agree with you, Sam. 
So don't think I'm going to give you some pushback. I agree with you. That first 30 days, uh, it only takes about 14 days to reset your neurochemistry to get it back to what should be normative levels. It takes about 30 days to begin gaining some confidence that I can live without pornography and sex. Wow. It takes about 90 days to really begin building really a deeper understanding of what real intimacy is. Mm. That you can have intimacy by holding hands and taking a walk and hearing voice. And your sexual sex and marriage becomes a more intimate and deep and more valued part of the relationship. It's like a detox. We have polluted our minds in so many ways with pornography that uh, we need a, a, a true reset. We, I say something that's pretty tough for many people to hear, that, but pe- men in recovery say this often, that I had to recognize that even when I was not using pornography, that I was using what was co- they called vaginal masturbation. I remember that you said that. Yeah. It's funny. I read that in the book and a guy I was coaching yesterday said it. And I said, if you, did you read the healing church? What do you, he goes, no, but that's what I was doing with my wife. All she was is another way to masturbate me. He just made her a porn substitute. And I'm like, I've done it. (laughs) I just need to get this relief because it's been three days, five days, whatever it is, seven days, two weeks, whatever it is. And we're missing the opportunity to really be as one flesh. Wow. See, this is where recovery, it takes time. There's so many layers. There's so many layers of healing. Just because a guy's like, man, I've gone like 60 days without looking at porn. There's still so much progress that needs to be made. I feel like I'm just tapping the surface of understanding what real marriage is about. Yesterday was 27 years with my wife and I'm thankful for that. But I'm just now understanding so many of these things, even in the bedroom with sex and the ways that I have brought my past and my views with pornography, I've brought it into the bedroom and it's been a twisted, corrupt, sort of perverted, not the way it should be. And there's things that may have made her feel uncomfortable. And that's my fault. That's not her fault. And I'm learning. And it it's it's what you said earlier. It's time. It's work. It's learning. It's constantly like this self-examination. There's no recovery without self-examination. I do a, the deep work of journaling what's going on. I think through the things you've written about. I think through what you're saying right now. And I'm like, ouch. And I actually came away from some parts of your book. And I had this feeling inside of me where I felt nasty and I had to examine what's going on right there. I felt nasty, Sam, because it was exposing more parts of me that I'm like, that was sick. That was twisted. That wasn't loving. And I'm like, good, feel it, grieve it, talk it out with your group, address Mm -hmm. it, talk with your wife about it. Let's learn from it. But I kid you not, there was some moments yesterday where I'm like, what's going on? I'm reading this good Christian book. But I was just like, I, I, I feel gross. I almost want to get away from it. But it was examining and help, well, helping me to examine. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. I, I felt those, you know, what we have when we see that is that we're missing, you're not nasty. Hmm. You're not wanted. You're not unloved. 
your desired son of God Almighty. Mm. And you are a loved husband and a loved father. We uh, are growing mm. and we're learning. And so often when we we see that we're unworthy, well, that's just the fact of life, right? Mm. <laughs> God makes us worthy. Yes. He wants us to draw us ever so more closely, right? Yep. We let's, let's not, and it's we can fall into those pits of self-loathing, and it's not, and we need to uh, recognize why am I feeling this way? How I, can I? How can I really step out of this as well? How can I not repeat those things that were in the past? Right. I was careful not to let it go to self-loathing, but what I think some guys are afraid of, and I've been afraid of in the past, is they think that the truth, oh, the truth's going to set you free, so that means the truth is going to be awesome and feel good all the time. What I was reading yesterday that was personally impacting me and peeling back deeper layers that you need to heal this, you need to address this, you shouldn't have been like this, that was where truth is like, like the light that comes in when it's like, radiation laser surgery i'm like this isn't pleasant right now but i need to feel it i need to address it and yes. then i love what you're saying go back to who you are in christ he's got you we're gonna work through this and i want to work through it i have that desire and you have to work through it with someone else and not yourself yes sir right and 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 there's nothing wrong with processing these things as well on your own but it's so like you said taking that to your group, taking that to your small group. And maybe some guys on here don't have a group. I'm going to bet you have a group that they can join in on. When we started what's called climb teams and Nate Larkin actually helped me to understand a lot about small groups and what needs to happen. The online groups, things to watch out for. He's been extremely helpful. Um, and it's a similar, very similar model. In fact, I have guys that attend my weekly climb teams but they're like, I also attend my Samson Society meeting. Do you think I should just do yours? I said, don't, no, don't give that up. Why would you? It, I said, is it beneficial? Does it help? Have you already made connections there? Yeah. Why would you stop? Yeah. You can do both. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, we often find that uh, guys will say, oh, I'll, I'll attend this, my my group recovery meeting at my church. And then when during the week, I'll stop in at a SAMHSA society meeting or one of your team meetings. That's, that's perfect. You know, keep, especially uh, early in the recovery you need that ongoing support. And Sam, I am really grateful that you came on here and made the time. I know uh, you told me before we hit record button, you had a lot of interviews today You've been speaking all over. You just finished the book. I can't imagine the monumental task that was. I've heard people say <laughs> it's like birthing a baby. It's agonizing with all the edits and things. But uh, but thank you. I know you got some vacation time coming up. So um, tell the guys how they can connect with you. Tell the guys about any other books, resources. You mentioned Samson Society, but anything else, man, um, I'm just giving you the floor, brother. All right. Thank you. Uh, first of all, thehealingchurch.com is where you can download the uh, introduction and the first chapter of the book for free, thehealingchurch.com. 
There's a, a new resource from Covenant Eyes. You, you're familiar with Covenant Eyes. We provide screen accountability that monitors your most popular devices, and you choose an ally that receives a report of how you're doing, using your devices. Great opportunity to have just to keep that conversation going. Well, as part of that, we also have this new app called the Victory App by Covenant Eyes. Again, that's the Victory App by Covenant Eyes, and there's more than 30 courses within there that are free, and it helps you understand, how did I get here? Why do I seem to stay stuck? And how can I begin taking a journey and living in freedom? So download that today. Easy, it's free. The Victory App by Covenant Eyes. As soon as you say that, I'm looking at it right now. I'm like, I have the Victory app because that's now how some of the reports are coming to me for different allies. And right. I still have the old 40-day Overcome app with the devotional and things. So with the Victory app, can they access even that, like the devotional material? Do you remember that, the 40 days? 40-day challenge. We still have that available on Uver the Uversion Bible app. So you can go through there to find it. That is the We're going to add the 40-day the challenge uh, to the Victory app, not too distant future, I'm sure. Awesome. Well, man, this is really great. Sam, would you just pray us out, pray for the guys that are listening, and uh, some of them are really struggling, and some of them are alone. So I'm going to let you just pray us out. Thanks again for being here, brother. Thank you. Jason, just one more thing before we move on. Yes, there's, sir. Uh, there's another free resource from Covenant Eyes. It's and you can find it at strive21.com, strive21.com. And it's a 21-day detox from pornography. There's video and just reading, and you have a little bit of community within there. And it's just a great place to say, okay, I'm getting started. What are my first steps? It's a great way to do that as well. Okay, I'm going to put all of this in the show notes, and I'll put connections uh, with you because I know that if some of these pastors can fit you in, if your schedule would allow it, they'd love to have you for a big event. I would love to be there. Thank you. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you've done on the cross to restore us to you. And we could try harder, and we could do more, you know, what this, or we could do that. But what we want is more of you. We want you to heal us and anoint us and bring your love, your mercy, your grace into every part of our lives. We want to be husbands who reflect your, your spirit. We want to be fathers who reflect you. And so, Lord, help us today. Help us to reach out to one another to seek the body of Christ, to seek it out, to live in that beauty, to live in that freedom. And so, Father, as there, there are going to be men who are listening here today who feel like, well, maybe I was wounded in the church. Maybe I didn't feel like I fit in there. There's a place for them to fit in, Lord. Would you help them press into that, whether it is through Samson Society or through these climb teams, Father? Would you help them take that first step? Would you encourage them and re renew their heart to desire you? Would you have your Holy Spirit just push ever so gently and even so harshly on their hearts, Father? So, Father, we submit ourselves to you. 
we submit our ways to your teaching and your love. In your precious and holy name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, stay tuned for a couple closing items of Grizz Biz. some good stuff man my brothers if this show is a blessing to you then be a blessing back to our nonprofit ministry by becoming a monthly supporter for as little as 10 or 20 dollars per month or you can make a one-time donation don't just be a consumer be a contributor partner with us in what we're doing to ignite and equip men to honor god and live manly the Grizz Podcast is an outreach of Narrow Trail Ministries. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can make your donation at narrowtrail.com. Click on our give page, or you can text the word give to 301 888 6860. 301 888 6860. If you guys would like to connect with me, my email and social media links are in the show notes. You can email me at info at narrowtrail.com, info at narrowtrail.com. They will get that to me. Listen, guys, with everything we talked about, I know that a lot of you, you are tired of falling to porn. You need some godly guidance, encouragement, connection. You need accountability to overcome it. Check out our climb teams. They meet online via Zoom every single week. The membership is just $40 per month. That comes down to $10 per week, and it is well worth it with all that you get. You can learn more about all that you get at narrowtrail.com. Click on our Climb Teams page. Also want to mention, get Covenant Eyes. Get that internet accountability software installed on all of your devices and on all of your kids' devices. It's an incredible tool to help you stay strong. Go to CovenantEyes.com and at checkout, use the promo code GRIZZIN, G-R-I-Z-Z-I-N. You get your first month completely free. Also, we have a closed Facebook group for Christian men. It's called the Grizz Tribe, if you're interested in being a part of that. There's also links in the show notes to connect with Sam Black and to get his book, The Healing Church. Get that book, my brothers, and devour it. You know what I'm saying? Also, guys, wherever you listen, right now, I don't care if it's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever, please leave us a rating and review. It doesn't have to be long. You know, just put something down. It helps us get more exposure. And share this episode with a friend, your men's ministry, your small group, maybe your pastor. Come on, guys. Let's do this together. Let's make a difference together. That's it for now. I'll be back at you soon with another episode of The Grizz. Until then, my brothers, honor God, live manly. Thank you.